Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Thursday, September the 1st, 2022, 7 a.m. here in Spotswood. It looks to be a beautiful kind of fall day out there. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to believe it's September. No, I know it's technically not fall yet, but it feels like it. At least it does here. I hope that this day finds you doing very well. And uh, wow, September is here. The summer is gone, right? It's unbelievable how quickly time flies, but not really. The Lord is sovereign over all things, and he brings us to where he brings us. So I'm delighted to be here with you today. If you missed out on last night at Old Providence, I'm sorry to say you really missed out. We had a wonderful time together. Lee has done just a fabulous job. Alex before him, wonderful speaker. This was really a great homecoming and special services this year. So uh, I'm so grateful to both of these men for their ministries and uh, for coming up here and being with us at Old Providence. Now, it's good to be back with you this morning, and I'm excited about where we go in God's Word. And the reason I say that is because up to this point, Jesus has kind of been sparring with the Pharisees, right? Remember all this business we've been dealing with in chapter 8? It starts out with them bringing the woman to him that was caught in the adulterous affair. They're trying to catch Jesus in something. Then they start questioning Jesus, and he starts responding to him or to them. Um, yesterday, we saw this business about Jesus claiming to have come from his father. Um, and the Pharisees uh, say, of course, well, Abraham is our father. Jesus talks about being set free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free in verse 32. Right, and we talked about this two days ago, how knowing the truth is equal to doing what Jesus tells you to do. That's the truth that God's word speaks about when it says, then you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. A lot of times that verse is twisted, but nevertheless, the Pharisees answered, we're the children of Abraham. We've never been slaves of anyone. Really? What about Egypt? And then yesterday uh, we focus and not just Egypt, Midian, so many other places, Currently, the Roman Empire has destroyed Israel and has taken them over. Um, you know, we, we, we talked about this yesterday, but this exposes one of the core problems with the Pharisees. And the reason that this has a lot to do with you and me is that it can expose a core problem with us. When you forget what the Lord has done to you and for you and with you as a result of you, right? When you forget the Lord's work in your life, you're in danger of falling into vast sin. When you forget all the sins you've been forgiven of, you're tempted to lack mercy. When it, you know, we could go down the line of all of the implications of forgetting God. The Israelites forgot God. The Pharisees forgot God. And as a result, ultimately, because they forgot God, they failed to recognize his son. When you and I forget about what God has done in our lives, we often fail to recognize his work right here, right now. People say all the time, why aren't there miracles like they used to be? You know, well, part of that is because of the sign aspect, right? But 
even apart from that, what do you mean there's not miracles? My goodness, look at the world around you. Look at the things that the Lord does. Look at some of the weapons that we have and the fact that the earth is not one ball of glass from us vaporizing one another and scorching the sun, right? It's only because of God's grace that this is not taking place. Well, there are so many examples of God working in the world around us, and yet... Because we've forgotten God, we miss it. We miss him. We don't give him the glory that we should. That's what's going on with the Pharisees here. Jesus talks to them. Where we closed yesterday was at the end of this little section in John 8, 30 and 4, excuse me, 40 and 41, um, where Jesus says, no, 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 you're not Abraham's children. It says uh, in verse 39, if you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. Their response there at the bottom of verse 41 is, we are not illegitimate children. They protested. The only father we have is God himself. Now, where we're picking up today is with Jesus's response to who their father really is. Jesus doesn't call them illegitimate children. No, not at all. But he tells them who their real father is. Let's read and find out. But first, let's pray. Our God and our Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you for all the things that you do among us, for your power, for your glory, for your might that is so easily on display. Help us not to miss it. And most importantly, help us not to miss Jesus, who still works wonders who still changes lives, as, as, as we've read this week, who still sets us free so that we are free indeed. Father, we praise you for this freedom. Now, as we go to your word again, please guide us by your Holy Spirit. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So who are the Pharisees' real father? Jesus said to them, this is John 8, verse 42. That's where we're picking up today. John 8, 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and now am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. Now, pause right there, because next he's going to tell us who their father really is. But y'all, Jesus points out a, a reality here, a reality as it relates to the world around us. This is just one of the metaphors that is used, right? But the scripture speaks about hearts that are made of stone, not of flesh, hearts that don't beat because they're not alive, eyes that can't see. Why? Because they have scales over them, ears that can't hear because they're plugged. That's what Jesus is saying about these Pharisees. He mentions to them, if God were your father, you would love me. Y'all, and that's something very important. Again, it does away with this notion that there are many different paths to God, and Jesus is just one of many ways to get to God the Father, and, and some even call him God, but we don't really know who he or she is, and, and God probably has many names. Some call God Allah, some refer to Buddha, but you know, it's all the same. Mm -mm. Y'all, if you are part of that trash, wake up. If you go to a church where the pastor preaches that kind of garbage, or I should say the person, then you don't have a church and you don't have a pastor. 
If they believe this and they spout such nonsense, it totally contradicts what Jesus said. If you have a preacher, someone that talks from behind a piece of furniture that looks like a pulpit, and they espouse these views, now they never say it so clearly most of the time. But if they espouse these views, and I guarantee that some of you do, right? But if that's going on, realize what group of people your preacher belongs in. Not the group of those who believed that Jesus previously addressed. That individual is a Pharisee, because only the Pharisees go against Jesus. And why do they go against Jesus? Verse 44, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. Y'all, let's just cut through it, okay? Um, we're in this age of niceness, right? Everybody's supposed to be nice. Everybody's supposed to be kind. Everybody's supposed to be tolerant. And I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't be nice and kind, but but realize, first off, that the world talks about that, and, and they're nice and kind and tolerant as long as you do what they tell you to do, right? You can't hold beliefs contrary to what they behold, or your backside gets canceled like a bad check, right? Um, or worse, and that's here. <clears throat> Elsewhere, it, it is quite dangerous to not do what society tells you to do. Um but still, we pride ourselves on niceness, tolerance, all these different things. And so sometimes we don't say the truth. And the truth is this. You know, this is not just about being the outright enemy of Christ, being a Mormon, being a Jehovah's Witness, being a Muslim, being a Buddhist, being a part of these false religions. In fact, to a certain extent, it's much worse. For those who call themselves the followers of Christ, and again, I'm referring to a lot of churches around here, y'all, a lot of churches. And, and you might say, well, I might be a part of one of these mainline churches, but I don't think my pastor believes this. Really? By being a minister in those denominations, they sure sign their name to this kind of teaching. They do. And probably if you really held them down and asked them, they probably believe that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. They probably believe that all religions are equal and valid. Goodness, y'all, this used to be stuff you'd talk about in California. Up the road in Lexington, the Presbyterian PCUSA Church in Lexington has a Muslim imam come and preach, come and teach. Good. I mean, I look at this, and, and admittedly, you might say, oh, your, your view is extreme. Well, it might be extreme, but it lines up with what Jesus is saying here. Why are these churches doing this? Why are these preachers doing this? Because they belong to their father, the devil, and want to carry out their father's desire. Any preacher that would substitute Christ for Muhammad, that would substitute Christ for the tenets of Buddhism, that would say that Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses who do not believe that Jesus is God, that that's valid. We could go down and down and down the list. The fact is, is that if it's a mainline church, either the preacher directly believes these things or signs off on these things. That's just the truth. You don't have to love it, but you better learn to accept it because truth is truth and you got to do something with it. You can't hide it. <clears throat> if you do hide it, 
Well then, Jesus goes on to talk about that. Why do those who deny him seek to hide the truth? Well, first off, why were those that, that denied him here trying to kill him? He continues on. I'll start at the beginning of verse 44. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, right? He know, Jesus knows that these people want to kill him. In fact, once we get to the end of the chapter, you'll see that they pick up stones to indeed kill him. Jesus knows these things. He could read what was in a man's heart. We can't. He can. Right? That's what John 2 says. He knows what's in a man's heart. He knows they want to murder him. So the first thing he says about them being their father's children and their father being the devil is this shows in the fact that you want to murder me. Now, Obviously, people today can't murder Jesus. He is seated at God's right hand and shall reign forever and ever. But they will do everything they can to discredit him or to render him obsolete, to say that he isn't necessary. They deny his claims of exclusivity, saying he is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. So they can't kill him, but they can kill his message. That's what a lot of preachers are doing. But then he gets to the root of this. Why do people lie about Jesus? He continues in verse 44. I'll start from the beginning. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning. And this is it. Not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar. And the father of lies. You see, what Jesus has just done is he's gone down to the very root. He's exposed what's going on with the Pharisees. He's exposed what's going on in the world around us. And yet we can see the outright liars. Those are the ones that are part of these other religions. Those are the atheists. Those are the ones that mock Christianity. But don't miss the ones who are in this group that pretend not to be. Because they're the worst liars. They're the ones that would preach to you a gospel of Jesus Christ, claiming to follow Christ, but making a mockery out of him. And why do they do this? Because they're liars. Because they are simply their father's children. And they're doing what their father does. You know, Jesus exposes Satan's true nature here. He's a murderer, and he's a liar. He is, in fact, the father of lies. doesn't matter what lie it is, and I say this knowing that I have told lies. You have told lies. Y'all, we're guilty. But the reason that we're called to truth, the reason that we're called in the ninth commandment to not bear false witness, is because the source of all lying is rooted in the father of lies. And the source of all truth is rooted in Jesus, who is the truth. That's why we're called to be people of our word. That's why when we lie, when we tell half-truths, we're to repent of these things. Because lying finds its root in Satan himself. We got to be careful with this stuff, y'all. Got to be very careful. And you got to recognize who's lying to you. And what they're really doing. To that end, Jesus continues in verse 45. He says, yet, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. 
Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? I am telling the truth. Why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Now, do you recognize what Jesus is doing here? He is just playing upon the Pharisees' hatred of him. He's playing upon the Pharisees' accusations of him. But more than any of that, Jesus is pointing to his identity again and again and again. He's already said that he's from God. And what did he just say? He said, he who belongs to God hears what God says. Jesus is saying here, you can hear the words coming out of my mouth. As you hear my words, you are hearing God's word. Jesus leaves no room for this hot garbage that is out there about him being one of many ways. Jesus leaves no room for this mess that's out here about him being just some teacher or even the greatest of teachers. No, Jesus is saying that he's God. And the reason they don't listen to him is that they don't listen to God. Jesus draws no line of distinction. He leaves no room. You will either follow and trust in him, giving your life to him, or you will reject him and work against him. There is no neutrality. Where do you fall? Before you answer that question, what are you doing? It was real easy to say, oh, yes, yes, absolutely. I'm the follower of Jesus, definitely. Well, what in your life shows that? Do you live a life of gratitude? Do you live a life of joy? Do you live a life where you seek to follow the ninth commandment? You know, realize that bearing false witness against your neighbor also includes protecting your neighbor's good name, right? Do you tell the truth or are you a gossip? Do you try to get people in the underbelly? Will you not say something to somebody's face, but say something all about them in the parking lot? I know I've gone from preaching to meddling, but y'all, this is important. You see, how we follow Christ determines our testimony for Christ. And our testimony for Christ answers that question. What are you doing? Are you really following Christ? It is my prayer that you are, but the reality is, is that from time to time, all of us slip, all of us fall into temptation. Let's pray that the Lord would help us to seek his face right now. Our God and our Father, I can't do it for anyone else, but I confess that so many times I've done my own thing and not yours. I haven't told the truth. I haven't sought your face. Father, please work in my heart and the hearts of all those who desire it, that we would seek you, that we would trust in the teachings of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and look to him and no other for our salvation. Thank you that in him we are set free indeed. If anyone is listening to this and they know that they don't know you, please draw them to yourself now. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.
Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And then again, Monday morning at 7. I see we've got Monica. Yes, welcome September. And there's Becky and Christine and Rose. And yes, amen indeed. To God alone be the glory. Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday morning or Monday morning at 7 a.m. Sunday at 10 a.m. Have a great weekend.